Hey everybody, good morning. If we haven't met before, my name's Chris. I'm the senior minister here at the church and it's great to see you. Great to see you if you're on site with us. Great to see you online with us as well. I can see you chatting away on the live chat this morning. Great to have you with us too. I am so excited for this series uh, because it, gets, it means I get to tell lots of aeroplane stories and I have more bad aeroplane uh, stories than anybody else I know and I'm going to bore you with them over the next four weeks as we do this series together. Here's my favourite bad aeroplane story. I got locked in an aircraft toilet one time. I promise you this is true. Uh, I was coming, I used to have to do a lot of flying uh, for a living and I was coming back from the US uh, from a business trip and uh, it was that time if you've done a flight from the uh, coast, east coast of America back to the UK, you know they're often overnight and with about an hour or so to go before you land in London, uh, they turn all the lights on and they uh, serve you breakfast. And so as the lights all went back on, I thought this would be a great time to go and freshen up before breakfast was served. And the other thing you need to know about me is that I like food a lot. So breakfast is very important to me. It was going to be very important to me. And uh, I went to the, the uh, loo. I went to the toilet on the aircraft. I uh, did what you need to do when you do that. I freshened up and all that kind of stuff. And I slid that thing. You know, if you've been on aircraft, you know that the, the loos have that sort of slidey thing. So I slid it and pushed and nothing happened. The door did not budge. And it turns out when you slide that thing, there's two bolts that go in top and bottom of the door, and those things did not come back. So I did what you would do, right? I go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards like this. It's not moving at all. And I'm pushing really hard on the plane door, and nothing is happening. And it turns out in those toilets on aircraft, they have like the push button to call a steward to come and help you. So I pushed the button because I really was stuck. I pushed the button and nothing happened. <laughs> Nobody came. So then I stood by the door and I was going, help, <laughs> like that. I promise you this is true. And eventually a stewardess, she did show up uh, to the door and she said, what seems to be the problem? I said, well, I'm stuck and the door won't open. She said, don't worry, you push really hard from your side. I'll pull really hard from my side and I'm sure we'll get you out. So I'm pushing with all my, I'm not a small man, as you can see. I'm pushing with all my might from one side. She's pulling nothing. This door was not budging at all. And then she said this, this was so funny. She said, oh, this is quite a pickle, isn't it? And I thought, well, I've got other words that I might use for this other than pickle, but okay. Uh, she said, I tell you what, she said, I'll go and get the co-pilot. So she disappeared off, and just before she went, she said, I'll go and get the co-pilot, sit tight, which I thought was a rather unfortunate turn of phrase, but at least I did have somewhere to sit. So she goes off, and then she comes back, and she says, I'm so sorry, sir, the co-pilot's just a little bit busy at the moment, getting us ready for landing, uh, but he'll be along in a moment. So I remained sitting tight and eventually the co-pilot came and he said, what seems to be the problem? I was like, you are absolutely kidding me, right? So I said, oh, I'm stuck. And he said, don't worry, I've got a crowbar. <laughs> Who knew they had crowbars on aeroplanes? Like this multi-million pound, high-tech, sophisticated means of transport. They have a crowbar just in case. Like what? Well, presumably because somebody gets stuck in the toilet. Anyway, so he crowbarred from his side and he managed to get the door open and I was so relieved. I said, just need to wait a moment. I need the loo again. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I was so relieved. I got, and do you know what? I thought, 
I need to try to maintain some level of dignity here. So I'll walk confidently back to my seat as if nothing has happened. I had missed breakfast, which was a big deal, by the way, for me. But anyway, I just walked nonchalantly back to my seat, sat down as if I didn't have a care in the world. And another steward walked down the aisle and turned to me and in a loud voice that the whole of the plane could hear, said, oh, you've had quite an adventure in that toilet, haven't you? So all dignity was shredded. But I tell you what, though, I was very grateful for the co-pilot on that flight. Uh, the co-pilot with his crowbar who managed to get me out of the toilet. Because I seriously thought I was going to be stuck in there until we landed and everybody had disembarked and somehow they'd come and get me out of this toilet. We want to ask through this series on a much more serious note, who or what are you inviting to sit in the co-pilot seat of your life? Think about all those things a co-pilot does on an aircraft. Who are you inviting to encourage you, to help you out of tricky spots, to read the fuel gauges and let you know when you're running on empty, to give you power, to refill you? Who's giving you energy for the journey? Who or what are you turning to when the skies are dark and the weather closes in? Where do you go for wisdom and guidance? Because you are piloting the plane of your life. Who you invite to help you to co-pilot is really important. And you are already inviting somebody to sit in the co-pilot seat of your life. Somebody or something. And I want to ask you the question this morning, how's that working out for you? I mean, if your life is going perfectly... If all your relationships are brilliant, if you're the kindest and most generous person that anybody has ever met, if you're well-rested and never stressed, if your life is going perfectly, well, then maybe you don't need a co-pilot. If your life is going so brilliantly that you're doing it really well on your own and everything's working out just as you hoped it would, well, maybe you don't need a co-pilot. Maybe you're okay flying solo. I've just got to tell you, though, the rest of us, we need some help. So often we all try to fill the co-pilot seat of our lives with all sorts of different things. We maybe fill it with friends or family. Maybe we fill it with social media or stuff that gives us uh, a freedom from thinking about the day, all those things we binge watch on the TV or on a streaming service. Maybe we fill the co-pilot's seat of our life with the acquisition of money and material things because we think that's the best way to navigate through life, to make sure we've got all that stuff sorted. We fill our co-pilot seat with all different kinds of things. We turn to all different kinds of places to try to find help. And I've got to be honest, and I think if we were honest, really honest we'd say that doesn't always work out well for us. Many of us are struggling with mental health stuff. Many of us are struggling with stress. Many of us are struggling with relationships. Many of us would say we're not as kind as we'd like to be or as generous as we'd like to be or um, as good to other people as we'd like to be. We'd all probably say we're pretty self-involved sometimes and we'd like to be a different kind of person. Maybe things aren't going in our lives like we'd like to go. Maybe our plane is not flying in the direction that we would like it to fly in. If we're honest, we don't always make the wisest of choices. Throughout these next four weeks, we're going to look at an offer 
that God makes to us. And it's an offer. And we can turn it down if we want to. And if you're not a Christian, if you say, look, I'm not a follower of Jesus, I just want to explore what faith is all about, then we're just over these next four weeks going to try to explain this offer that God makes as best as we possibly can. And we hope that might touch something in you. And you might say, actually, that's an offer maybe I could take up. But if you are a Jesus follower, then this offer that God makes to you is not a one-time only deal. This offer of this person that God says, I've got to sit beside you in the co-pilot seat of your life is something you can take up and we can take up over and over and over again. God has this most incredible offer to us all of a co-pilot to sit alongside us in the plane ride of life. And I'm going to start today as I kind of intro the series by asking this question, who's sitting right next to you on your plane ride? And are they offering the things that you need? Are they offering encouragement, comfort, help, inspiration, guidance? And if you are a Jesus follower, is what you're inviting into the co-pilot seat of your life, is who you're inviting into the co-pilot seat of your life, helping you live the life that Jesus is calling you to live. Now, to help us get started on all of this, I want to go to a a, a section of the New Testament part of the Bible that I think is amazing. And just a little bit of background to this before I get in a bit of context. Jesus' first followers were invited by Jesus to follow him. And when they took up that offer, they were inviting Jesus to sit in the co-pilot seat of their life. And he led them, and he guided them, and he directed them, and he taught them. But he, in this bit we're going to look at today from the life of Jesus, is starting to say to them, I'm leaving. I'm leaving you. And they must have had this question when he said that. What? Who who was going to sit in the co-pilot seat now? Who's going to guide us and lead us and show us and direct us? Who are we going to follow now? Who's going to take his place and how's that going to be? And Jesus wasn't just saying, I'm leaving you. He was saying, I'm going to be betrayed, arrested, tried, killed. And they must have been going, what? Who's going to guide us now? Who's going to lead us now? Who do we follow now? And so we get to these chapters in the middle of John's eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, where this intimate exchange is going on. And I think it's the most incredible two or three chapters, because it's like we're invited in to be a fly on the wall into this incredible conversation that's taking place, that where they're wrestling with this stuff, and they're going saying to Jesus, what, what, what? And Jesus is trying to explain to them. It's this intimate and very personal exchange. It happened over a meal just before the Jewish festival of Passover that they would have been celebrating together. And it started when Jesus washed their feet. Now, again, we don't necessarily understand that culturally, but in the culture of the day where there were dusty roads, only dusty roads to walk down and open shoes to walk on, feet were horrible, right? So after days of journeying and you arrive at your destination, there'd usually be a servant to wash your feet because your feet had got so skanky during the trip to wherever you were ending up being. And it was a servant who did it. But on this occasion, Jesus washes their feet And it teaches them something about the nature of a servant, of being a servant first. So 
Immediately, we've got this very intimate picture. And then we've got this stuff where Jesus is saying to them, I'm going to leave, I'm being betrayed, and, and, and then I'm going to die, and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. And those friends of Jesus and those followers of Jesus must have been confused and bewildered and sad and scared. But Jesus said to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. So we get partway through this uh, uh, intimate encounter and Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And he's uh, using some language that he's used before when he himself has been deeply troubled. And it's kind of like a really kind of gut-wrenching kind of uh, um, thing that's going on. Sadness or despair even. Jesus saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. And I'm interested in this word, by the way, because let implies a choice. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he speaks for a while about how they can find comfort in, this difficult, in these difficult moments. He talks about the promise of heaven and how they can truly know God and where they can find help and encouragement and peace and all that kind of stuff. And in the middle of that explanation, he says these things. And these are in John chapter 14. So John's account of the life of Jesus, chapter 14. He says, in all of this context, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Now they must have heard that and gone, how can that possibly be? How can we possibly do greater things than we have seen you doing, Jesus? Because by this stage, they've been with Jesus quite some time, and they'd seen Jesus heal people and raise free people from the dead. They'd seen Jesus speak in such a way that attracted thousands of people to come and hear him speak. They'd seen all of this. They'd seen him calming storms and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus is saying, don't worry that I'm leaving you, because you're going to do even greater things than you have seen me do. How could that possibly be? I'm sure they were just sitting there thinking, but we're just simple people. How can we possibly do greater things than we've seen, seen you do, Jesus? And Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. So again, I imagine them just sitting there going, so, so hold up, Jesus. You're not going to be here, but somehow we're going to do even more than you've done when you're not here. What? And he tells them then that when they are with him, when they line themselves up with him and his will, he will answer their prayers and they will see amazing things happen. He says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus says, if you follow my ways, if you do the stuff that I'm calling you to do, then whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. Now, you see, all of this tells us that according to Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection was just the starting line. It wasn't the finish line. Jesus was launching a movement, not finishing it. In Jesus' death and resurrection, he was starting a movement, not finishing it. This wasn't going to be the end. This was just the beginning. How's that possible? Well, in verse 15... We find out how that's possible. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. So Jesus says, start by doing the things I'm asking you to do. You see, Jesus gave them a new way of living, a new way to be. 
And those can, things that Jesus was kind of giving them and calling them to do and to be can be summarized, Jesus said, in just a very simple sentence. And it's to do with loving God and loving people. Jesus says, these are the greatest things you can do. Love God and love people. And that was a new way to be. Even those who had been religious before Jesus came along, they were good at loving God. That's what the whole thing was about in the Jewish faith that Jesus came out of. This whole idea of, of, of being right with God, loving God. And Jesus bolts something else onto all of this. He says it's not enough to love God. Your love for God must be manifested in love for people. The two things are joined together. You can't say you love God and treat people badly. That's not the way it works, Jesus said. And of course, saying that, that the way and the new way of life that Jesus was calling people to was about loving God and loving people, that's like a really easy thing to say. It's a really easy thing to sing in the kind of songs we sing around church. It's a really difficult thing to do. Love God and love people. Jesus says, you'll be able to do even greater things than you've seen me do if you keep my commands, if you live this new way of life I've called you to, which is about loving God, loving people. But there is an and. There's quite a cool and coming here. You didn't know ands could be cool, did you? But look, and. And this is what he says. Through this and, he is going to show his friends and followers what the key is what the power source is that will allow them to unlock the ability to actually live the life that Jesus is calling them to live. He's about to tell them through this and who they should be inviting into the co-pilot seat of their life now that he's not going to be with them anymore and that this co-pilot will unlock all that Jesus had promised them. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. Now, if you've drifted off, I need you to come back to me right now, okay? This is the key bit, right? This is the key moment. If you've drifted off and you're watching online, you need to come back to me right here. This is the key for today. Jesus says, and I will ask my Father, and he will send you another. And we need to dig around in what this word another means, because uh, John, when he wrote this, wrote it in Greek. And there were two Greek words for another. And one meant another who is different from me. And the, if you want the Greek word, if you want to go home from today and impress people that you meet, you can tell them that the Greek word for another different to him is heterios. And then there's another word in Greek, alos. And alos means another who is the same as. And this is really important. John uses the second one of those words, alos. And one another who is the same as me, Jesus says. Jesus is saying, look, I know you're troubled and I know you're disturbed that I'm going to be leaving you. I know you can't possibly imagine how you could do greater things than you've seen me do. But I am going to send you another, the same as me, to travel alongside you, to sit in the co-pilot seat of your life. Well, how's that going to work then? Well, Jesus goes on to explain. He says, I will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So he's saying, I'm going to give you an advocate. Now, this word advocate is really important. 
It, it could be translated in a number of different ways, actually, three different ways. One would be helper. I'm going to give you another helper, someone to encourage you, to cheer you on, to give you strength and energy. It could be translated comforter. I'm going to give you someone to give you extra strength and comfort when you need it in those special situations and times where the skies that you're flying through are dark and stormy. I'm going to give you another, the same as me, to bring you comfort. And then advocate, which is what we see in this version of the Bible that I'm using. Advocate means somebody who stands up in a court of law and explains to a judge or jury how things are from his or her client's point of view. Someone who's for that person, who's arguing passionately that per- for that person, arguing their case. So you see, through helper, comforter, and advocate, Jesus is promising this other, just like him, a co-pilot that will encourage, strengthen, help, energize, comfort, sustain, and who is passionately for them. And who will be with them forever. Jesus is there just for a few brief years. But this advocate, helper, comforter will be with them forever. And we get a title for who this advocate, helper, comforter, who this co-pilot is going to be. And the title is the Spirit. The Spirit of Truth. Sometimes we might say the Holy Spirit, another Parts of the Bible referred to as the Holy Spirit. Let's move on. Jesus says, The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And I want you to notice that Jesus keeps referring to the Spirit here as a person, not a thing. And the person of the Spirit will live with them and in them. Now, I just want to pause here for a moment because this is mysterious. Okay, and I just want to acknowledge that, that this is mysterious and quite difficult to explain. But um, my iPhone is a mystery to me. I have no idea what's inside it and how it works, but it works and enables me to do all this amazing stuff. And I use it and I benefit from it, even though I don't quite know how it works inside. Sometimes faith requires us to accept and to live with some mystery. I'm not quite sure how this living in us and with us thing, it is a bit mysterious, but that's okay. Faith requires mystery sometimes. And as I often say around here, if we could work out everything about God, that doesn't make God very big. Because my mind, our minds are quite small, and I want a God who's way bigger than my little mind. So part of the journey of following Jesus is to be ready to live with some mystery sometimes. But Jesus says, I'm promising you an advocate, a helper, a comforter to live in you and with you. And then finally for today, Jesus says these amazing words of comfort. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will be with you. He he is leaving. But through this other Jesus will continue to be with them, empowering them and encouraging them and comforting them and helping them. You know, sometimes, I I don't know whether you do this if you're a Jesus follower, sometimes you think, oh, I wish I was there 2,000 years ago when Jesus was walking around. 
But Jesus, you know, himself says, there's something even better than me walking beside you. It's me living in you. What could possibly be better than Jesus physically beside us? The Spirit inside us. And what could enable those first followers to do even more than they had seen Jesus doing? Those greater things that he promised. Well, according to Jesus and what we're told here, it's the Spirit of God living inside of us. So what's our response to all of this? Well, I think it's twofold. Number one, as individuals, and let me speak to all of you individually, do you need encouragement, help, comfort, energy, sustaining, somebody who is passionately for you? Do you need somebody to help you fly the plane of your life? Well, God has got a gift for you. And it's a gift, it's an offer, no matter who you are. God is offering a helper, a comforter, an advocate as a gift to you. You just have to reach out and say, yes, please. Thank you. I receive it. And it is mysterious, but it is fantastic. And I know many of you, many of us could tell stories of where the Spirit of God has sustained us and energized us and guided us and directed us. Secondly, the second response to all of this, I think is has something to do with us as a church community. It must have seemed so unlikely to those first friends and followers of Jesus that they could do even more than they'd seen Jesus do. That must just have seemed unbelievable to them. But just a short time after this intimate conversation, Jesus filled them with his presence, his Holy Spirit, and all that Jesus had promised in that conversation came true. When Jesus was on earth... All of the God stuff that was going on through him was confined to a relatively small geographical area. But when he left, those friends and followers got the spirit living in them and with them, and the message of God exploded, and it spread, and the church was born, and it went out way further than Jesus had ever been geographically. And 2,000 years later, all over the world, millions and millions of people are following Jesus. That's a greater thing than Jesus saw when he was on earth. And even if we come right down to, to our little part of the world... Andover Baptist Church, our little community of people serving in our way, our town and places beyond our town. Just think about the things that go on in our little part of the world. We are seeing so much exciting stuff right now. It is one of the most exciting times I can remember being in church leadership, seeing what is going on in our church right now. We have children and young people exploding out of the rooms in our building We just don't have enough space to put all the children and young people who want to come. Hence, June the 11th, we're back to two Sunday morning services again. We have a growing diversity as a congregation, and as a church community, which we absolutely love. We are seeing children sponsored in Peru through compassion taken out of poverty. We have links with places like Poland, where we're seeing work being done that we're enabling through an amazing 
church and an amazing lady called Helen Stainsby living there. We're having an impact all over the world. We are seeing people starting their journey of following Jesus for the very first time. We have new people here amongst us all the time, and we love that. We're seeing people listening to the resources and podcasts and devotions and prayer times and all of that kind of stuff in ways we haven't done before. See, these, these are the greater things that Jesus talked about. It's such an exciting time to be part of this church community. And this is replicated all over the world. We continue to need the Spirit of God to fill us and enthuse us, to give us energy and vision and power as a community, to lead us and to guide us. And we need the Spirit of God to fill us so that those who call ourselves Jesus followers live the life that he is calling us to live and to be the church that God has in mind for us. And I'm absolutely certain our church makes God smile. But I'm equally certain that our church makes God say, you've only just started. I've got way more in mind for you. Who are you inviting into the co-pilot seat of your life? How's that working out for you? The Spirit is a gift just waiting to be invited to sit right next to you, to be with you and in you, helping you as you seek to navigate the skies of life. And it's a free gift that's on offer from God to all of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible gift of your Holy Spirit who enables us to do even greater things than we can possibly imagine, greater things than even Jesus himself saw. Heavenly Father, lead us and guide us and fill us, we pray, with your Spirit. And I pray for anybody who might be here for the first time today or who has been here for a while but is ready today for the first time to say, yeah, I want this gift if that's you, where you reach out and invite God to give you his spirit at work in your life. Receive that free gift that he has for you. And those of us who have been Jesus followers a while, Lord God, we receive again this amazing and wonderful gift you give to us. Lord, we invite you to sit once again in the co-pilot seat of our life. Help us comfort us, encourage us, sustain us, and lead us, we pray.